0: Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio! Get up, St. Louis!
1: This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Behind Enemy Lines. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. This is Season 8, Episode 29, the 28th episode of Behind Enemy Lines, franchise episode all-time, number 215. Of course, as always, a big thanks goes out to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire, here in the open. Tom Calhoun for the announcement there that you hear. PAGuytom.com. If you want to uh, hire him for uh, maybe an event where you need a PA guy, or if you uh, want to check out a book on tape, uh, Tom's done a lot of those, paguytom.com. Of course, check out the letsgoblues.com shop. Consider buying yourself a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. And uh, Kurt's had a, a couple new designs up there for stickers and shirts. So if you haven't been to the Let's go blues.com shop in a while, uh, you should do that. So just go to let's go blues.com and check, check out the shop tab uh, there at the top. Also subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your shows, you can listen to Let's go Blues as well. And if you are on Apple or anything that asks for reviews for podcasts, please do that. And uh, to those who have done that already, thank you very much. Well, to open the show, I uh, want to share a little personal experience that I had. And uh, I, it was uh, it was very cool tonight because I say tonight, uh, this is the 22nd of September, and this is being released the next day. But uh, tonight I played at... Uh, the Centene Community Ice Center for the first time. I had not been there yet. Uh, the grand opening event, which I really wanted to go to, I was out of town for work, so I had to miss it. Um, but uh, I've, I saw pictures and I was really jealous. I'm like, man, I got to get out there. Luckily, I, I was able to join a, a team in uh, the St. Louis Blast, for anybody who is uh, familiar with uh, the teams that are playing out there now. And so tonight was my first night at the rink and it is gorgeous. It is the, I've been to a lot of hockey rinks, a lot of, you know, I'm not including the, the NHL rinks here, but I, uh, for my job, I've traveled to a lot of rinks in New York and New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I've been to a couple in Chicago just, you know, because I've been up there and, you know, uh, Nashville. Obviously, I've been to every single rink here in St. Louis because I'm a crazy person and I live and breathe hockey. This is the best facility I have ever been to. It is so... It just looks new. I mean, I know it's new, and it sounds stupid to say that, but it is just... It's beautiful. The new Chesterfield rink, I was out there too. That's a great rink. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I don't want to downplay that one. But this new Centene Community Ice Center, holy cow, um, I'm blown away. It was... uh, They don't have the... There's going to be a Bauer store in there. That's not open yet. Uh, I don't believe the concession is truly open yet. They've got a spot where you can buy drinks and, I think, snacks. But I think they're going to have a, an actual concession stand. None of that's open yet. But the facility itself, I mean, the, the seating, uh, they've got, you know, couches in the little main area. Uh, the the rinks are all covered with uh, with glass uh, walls. So that way when you're you just hang out in the little center area, and watch two hockey games going on at the same time. Uh, I didn't check out the Lindenwood rink yet, but I'm sure that thing is very nice as well. Um but the NHL rink is where I played and the uh the Plager rink uh just look fantastic. So I great job to the people involved in the Centine Community Ice Center. And uh if you have not been out there yet, get out there. Um it's it's really cool, really really cool and uh I'm just Blown away. I'm, I'm so excited that I get to play there every week now. Well, speaking of being excited, I think it's time that we talk about uh, the Blues Stanley Cup Championship because we're going to keep the party going. Today, I do have an email to read, and I want to point out that I do believe that we have enough emails to get through the rest of the series. So, that is very cool. So you don't have to hear me do uh, some slapstick comedy here and there. Uh, unless you really want that. I can do that if you want me to. Just just tell me. Uh, but this is, this is better. I enjoy this better. I love hearing from our listeners. I love hearing people tell their side of the story, you know, what they witnessed. Um, so this is cool. So I want to say, and I said this last uh, episode as well, even though we have enough to get us through the next two episodes hard to believe, right? Behind Enemy Lines is ending. Our live shows are starting. We'll get to that in a little bit, but hard to believe that, right? So, uh, yeah, even though we've got plenty of uh, emails to get us through the next uh, two shows to close out the series, if you still want to write in, I will read your email. So please, uh, I will double up if I have to. I will read your email. We might even do it on a live show. I don't know, but... I want to hear from you guys. This has been the best part of this summer series. I've loved talking to the guests that I've had, but reading these emails from fans, it, it just it ignites something inside of me. And I think I've had a lot of people tell me that when they listen to these, it does something for them too. Uh, it's just cool that, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. and We all love hockey in different ways. So it's really cool to, to hear this kind of stuff from somebody that I've probably never met before. So please keep the emails coming. Uh, radio at letsgoblues.com again that is radio at letsgoblues.com well for keep the party going this week I'm hearing from I think Todd is the one that wrote this but uh, it is signed Todd and Susan in St. Louis so we're going to hear a little bit about uh, his beautiful wife I'm sure Susan and uh, Todd uh, is the one writing so here we go I would like to thank you for a great series this summer as someone who became a fanatic of the Blues after the 2008-2009 season, this was a great review of players that have worn the note and moved on to other teams. This series also filled in the 15-year gap when I said, adios, NHL, when hockey died for me in 1993. One of the many people, I'm sure, hockey died for when that happened. And uh, thank you, Todd. I, I appreciate the uh, the compliment. Again, this has been a, a fun series to do. It's just been... Uh, a lot of work. So, uh, but hey, you know what? It's all worth it, right? Uh, back to Todd. Most Blues fans are surprised when I tell them that my most hated team is Dallas instead of the Black Black Hacks, is what he wrote. But I'm guessing he fucked. I'm guessing that's an intentional typo. Uh, or the Red Wings until I explain. I grew up on a farm in rural southwest Minnesota in the 1970s, occasionally watching the Minnesota North Stars on TV if the weather was right to carry any kind of signal through the air to our house from Minneapolis, 145 miles away by plane. The only regular sports in southwest Minnesota at this time was football, girls volleyball, and basketball and track, which was played by both girls and boys. My hockey knowledge exploded from 1983 to 1986 when I went to college in Crookston, Minnesota, 20 miles east of Grand Forks, North Dakota, when I had a hockey—I'm uh, sorry, when I had a college roommate who played hockey, and I'd go to his games. Also during this time, one of the Winnipeg TV stations we received on cable carried the Winnipeg Jets hockey night in Canada, and I was introduced to curling. My passion for watching hockey completely died when Fat Man moved my North Stars to Dallas in 1993. It drives me crazy when they lump the areas of those teams together. Think of it this way. How many St. Louis Rams fans are now L.A. Rams fans? I have no connection to the Wild as I had moved away from Minnesota in 1986. Uh, to answer your question, how many St. Louis Rams fans are now L.A. Rams fans? It's actually a surprising number. I don't think it's a lot, but I will say I know two guys who still consider themselves L.A. Rams fans because they just fell in love with the franchise for whatever reason and uh it stuck with it so it does happen but I, I you know i don't think it's that common so i see your point but it is funny to think there are people who are still following the rams here in st louis very odd my wife and i moved to the st louis area in april 2000 and we catch an occasional game on tv and we were flipping through the channels it wasn't until the 2008-2009 season when my co-worker dan gnr Former Game Night Review contributor, and yes I know who that is, so uh hello Dan, hopefully you're listening. Uh Dan asked me if my wife, Susan, and I would like to go to a blues game. She said hell yeah, and he gave us his tickets. Neither Susan nor I had ever been to an NHL game, but she had seen amateur games in Portland, Oregon before. We were both instantly hooked on the blues. We became half-season ticket holders and suffered along with everyone else with the first or second round exits until we moved to southern New Mexico in July 2013. We cheered like crazy when the Blues finally beat the Blackhawks in the first round of the playoffs in 2016 to move on to the second round. We were disappointed to lose to the Sharks in the conference finals, and one of my coworkers, a Sharks fan, gave me all sorts of crap for losing. Like always, we were optimistic of the 2018-19 season. However, we became more and more disappointed as one, maybe two wins were mixed in between loss after loss. We all but rode off the team in December and were amazed by the turnaround that happened after January 1st. Over the last six years, many of my co-workers became aware of my passion for the Blues. My Sharks co-worker gave me grief the next day after the infamous hand pass, the hand of God to give it, and I told him after the Blues win to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals, the hand of God giveth, and the hand of God taketh away and makes right. All of my coworkers who were fans of other teams were telling me that I hope the Blues beat Boston to win the Cup. I had to work the night of Game 7, and my coworker said, I think the Blues are about to score, and sure enough, less than a minute later, we had the first goal. I didn't sit down at all for the last 10 minutes of the game, Around seven minutes left of the third, he said, they're going to win. I told him, no, I've seen the Blues bleat. I told him, no, I've seen the Blues blow leads way too many times. He said the same thing again with about five minutes left. I told him, I won't say that until the last minute of the game. It was all I could do to hold back the tears of joy in the final seconds and then again during the celebration. I called Susan and she was crying with joy we can finally say that our Blues are Stanley Cup champs, Todd and Susan. So Todd and Susan are not in St. Louis. They're in New Mexico. Man, this is just a common theme with me that I cannot get these people uh, right where they live. So Todd and Susan in New Mexico, formerly of St. Louis. So um, I'm, I'm way off there, but uh, hey, again, guess they, they did live in St. Louis. They probably still consider themselves St. Louisans since they're big Blues fans. So that's what I'm going to go with. Todd, it's funny, and I I, I don't know, I've done, I've done so many of these, I don't know if I've said this before, but this year was so different for me that when they scored to go up 1-0, I was, for the first time ever, I was confident they were going to win, and it just, Ryan O'Reilly scored that goal, and the way Jordan Bennington had been playing, I'm like, they're not going to lose this, there's no way, and... I know you even go back to game one of that series and they were up two nothing and they lose the game, but I just, I don't know. It's just something with this team. And, and what turned around for me was the Jaden Schwartz, uh, crazy game against the Jets in game five, uh, when he, uh, he scored that late goal and, uh, the Blues came back after, you know, if you watch the, the, the Canadian broadcast after the second period, they even say, like, you know, the Jets are, looking to move on to, uh, uh, you know, go back to St. Louis with a 3-2 lead. They only have 20 minutes left. And, I mean, it was just such a sure thing. And and I had given up, too, and said there's no way they're going to do this. Then they come back and do it. At that point, something changed in me to where I finally started believing in this team. And I never doubted them once. Even when they were down 3-2 against Dallas, I was the one person that was telling everyone, and I am never Mr. Positivity with the Blues, I was the one telling everyone, they're going to win. They're going to come back and win. They're going to win game six and then they're going to win game seven in St. Louis. And sure enough, they did. And against Boston, I, I predicted on the show that they would sweep, which was ridiculous at the time that I think about it. But I was just so confident in the way this team had responded to adversity. Um, and I, I like I said, game seven, I knew they were going to win and it just, it was a weird feeling because even after that, I was at the enterprise center. And the people I were with was still, they were still clutching and, you know, holding on to whatever they could to, to, to make themselves feel better. Cause, and I'm not saying I wasn't nervous, I was, but like I could tell they were still in the, yeah, there, there was still a good chance they're going to blow this. And I, I said, no, nah, they're not. They're going to do it. it. It was the weirdest feeling. And, um, I think we can all have a little bit more confidence now, uh, going forward because, um, yeah, that was, uh, Oh, man, I still just get goosebumps thinking about it, and I know others listening are probably doing the exact same thing. So, um, yeah, anyway, Todd, Susan, thank you very much for writing in. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to uh, our show, and I'm glad you found us. And, and again, if you uh, have not heard our live shows, we will be back with live shows uh, coming very soon. Stay tuned. Here's a teaser for you. Stay tuned for the end of this episode. Don't fast forward. Do not fast forward. I will, I will find out and I will find you. Keep it going. And then, uh, I will talk at the end about, uh, a little, little announcement for our live shows. Well, let's, uh, get into our guest of this episode, Mr. Greg Young from Japer's Rink. He is a Capitals fan. And, uh, you know, it's funny because he, well, okay, he went to Mizzou, uh, got a journalism degree there. So he has a little bit of, of familiarity with the St. Louis Blues and with their fans and, and you know, so the Missouri area. So he was a, a natural fit to have on this show. He, uh, he heard that I had been looking, and I had talked to, I believe she was the managing editor for Japers Rink, and um, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So he jumped in and uh, had a very good interview with me. We talk a lot about these two teams back-to-back, winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in both franchises' histories. And, uh, again, just uh, ready for some goosebumps, folks, because that is uh, that was something that, that even when he was telling me about what it was like for the Capitals to win it, it uh, man, it really just excited me, and it made me remember how I felt the minute that the seconds ticked off the clock in the third period and the Blues came on the rink to celebrate. I mean, it's uh, something that still, uh, you know, I think makes us all a little... Excited and a little jittery, uh, thinking about it. So anyway, um, yeah, here's, uh, here's my talk with Greg Young from Japer's Rink. Today on Let's Go Blues Radio, we are talking Washington Capitals in our Behind Enemy Line series. I'm joined by somebody from Japer's Rink and Japer's Rink Radio, but we'll get to uh, him in just a second. First, we're going to go over some important stats between these two teams. First, the St. Louis Blues all-time record against the Washington Capitals. 99 games played, 43, 42, 12, and 2. And, uh, that is, uh, two overtime losses there. And, and the 12 is a tie. So that's, uh, a pretty close record for those teams. Uh, first meeting was on December 7th, 1974. It was, uh, in Washington. It was an 8-2 win for the Blues. The very next night, uh, I'm sorry. That first game was in St. Louis. The very next night, uh, they traveled to Washington for their second meetup with them, and that was on December 8th, 1974. That was a 3-1 win for the Blues, so a combined score there of 11-3 uh, in their first two meetings against the Washington Capitals. Uh, Chris Pronger's first game as a St. Louis Blue occurred against the Washington Capitals in Washington uh, October 7th, 1995. No points for Pronger in a 4-1 loss to the Capitals uh so uh let's get into it this is uh again washington capitals talk and i'm joined by greg young of japer's rink and japer's rink radio he writes for them and he's also uh, on their podcast again japer's rink radio greg thank you very much for joining me
0: yeah, yeah it's a pleasure it's a pleasure we were talking a little bit uh earlier that i uh I actually went to school at the University of Missouri uh, for six years, Um, and like many out-of-state students, I had a journalism degree. So I uh, have been exposed to plenty of blues fans, and uh, before really this year, uh, a lot of blues frustration, I kind of felt a sense of camaraderie, uh, you know, with the Capitals. Also, historically, struggling in the playoffs, so that was always uh, it was always nice. Although uh, you guys at least had the Cardinals over us during that time, so that was always that's a true. little bit frustrating. But uh, but yeah, no, um, I uh, yeah, so I went to school in Missouri for six years. So when you emailed um, Japers asking for someone to come on, I figured, oh yeah, this is perfect. They're right up my alley.
1: Yeah, no, and and that's uh, I appreciate that because yeah, Japers Rings is a, is, a, is honestly a great site, and it's funny because every time I have somebody on. Um, you know, I always kind of pump the tires of whoever that is, and and the site they write for, or the site they podcast for, and I know people are probably like, God, he just he's he's always talking about how great these other places are, and you know, like he must think that every website is fantastic. But I I'm sincere when I say it. I mean, I I've done my research. I have found thirty teams around the league, the best blogs, the best podcasts. Japers Rink is is one of those kind of blog roll sites that. I always frequent just to see anything new coming around. I mean, obviously that the focus is on the capitals, but there's other stuff on there as well. And, and of course the Japers Rink podcast, uh, radio Japers Rink radio is a, is a great resource for anybody wanting to learn more about the capitals as well. Uh, how long have you been with Japers Rink?
0: Um So I started uh, actually pretty much this time last year. I, uh, wrote for a site before that called capitals outsider for a few months. Um, I, it's actually funny though, because I have a, uh, journalism background. Like I said, I have both my bachelor's and master's in it. And I kind of started getting the itch for hockey writing, um, really like kind of, you know, last year. And then I emailed, uh, John press from our site pretty much out of the blue saying, uh, you know, do you, are you willing to, you know, put up with me? And, uh, he said, uh, i guess so um email us an article or two i did and then uh he didn't totally hate it so six or uh pretty much four to five years after uh getting my journalism degree uh, and getting a law degree in between that i get to use my journalism degree so it's been uh it's been a lot of fun i do some analytics writing for the capitals and uh kind of general roster analysis uh so yeah uh it's definitely it's definitely been a wild ride um one of the coolest parts I think of blogging is you get to kind of meet different people. And, uh, we kind of have an internal slack. That's been a lot of fun. It's always great to kind of watch games with people that are just as dedicated to the capitals and really just the NHL as you know, as anyone. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a kind of fun ride. And, uh, the, the thing I always kind of ta- say is that, you know, if you're interested in something, just start writing about it and eventually it'll kind of work itself out, you know, and it's, uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun. And, uh, I look at even the stuff I was producing like a couple of years ago. I've kind of come hopefully a long way. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, if anyone's interested, just start writing and uh, eventually it'll find a home. I promise.
1: Yeah. Um, no, you mentioned that uh, you get to meet a, a lot of interesting people. I mean, you get to meet one of the hosts of Let's Go Blues Radio. This has to be something oh, that yeah. that's, that's gonna, you're going to hold up on a mantle for the rest of your me, life. meet Jeff Ponder. The Jeff Fonda. Uh, <laughs> that's
0: great. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but it, it is cool. I've gotten a guest on a few, a few spots. I uh and I actually um have been given uh amazing barbecue recommendations in Raleigh, weirdly, from uh from this, uh, from doing these kind of things. And so you never know what you're gonna find out and kind of explore. So that's uh I think one of the general parts of the cool parts of getting in any sports community is kind of the idea that. You, know, you just get to meet different people that you otherwise wouldn't know. And uh, it's, it's always cool to do something positive online, too, because I think that so much of you know, Twitter is kind of seen as a negative cesspool of awfulness. And uh, you know, I think that might be their new slogan. But I think when you're yes. part of a community, it's all, it just makes it so much better, and it makes social media a little more tolerable. So that's it always kind of another underrated part of it that's a lot of fun.
1: It, I will say, I mean, man, there's, there's, I mean, you know as well as anyone, I'm sure that, um, you know, all the you mentioned the cesspool on Twitter and even Facebook and hell, even Instagram, uh, can can be that way sometimes. But I don't know what it is about podcasting, um, but we only honestly get positive feedback. Now, I'm sure it's probably because we're fantastic and you know we do everything. Oh yeah, right. obviously. That's. That's not true. I mean, let's be honest here. We have, we have our hiccups. Uh We we do a live show throughout the season. Every single show is live, so you know we tell people, yes. hey, we're going to start at nine fifteen. That doesn't start till nine thirty, nine forty five sometimes, and it's because you know you've got those podcasting hiccups. But for whatever reason, the people that that associate with the show, that talk to us, that you know give us feedback, it's always positive. And I'm like, my God, like any other thing I do online is negative. Like for some reason, the only people that we talk to with this podcast, it's all positive. It's people that want to talk about hockey. It's people that are interested in, in, in what we do and and even have people asking about our personal lives every now and then. And it's just, it's, it's refreshing to see I've had to to give strange advice. Like, um, there was like a few, a
0: few weeks ago on Twitter, um, uh, we So we do a mailbag, and uh, we get some questions that are kind of off the wall. So one of the ones I remember, and I discussed it a little with John Press and a couple other people on Twitter, was, uh, is it acceptable to brush your teeth in a work bathroom? And the answer is, I would say no, don't, don't do that, please. Um, but, you know, it's like you never know, like, kind of the off-the-wall stuff. And, uh, you know, it, I think it, it's just nice to kind of have a, like I said, a community and, you know, a sense of, uh, you know, it, it really does seem like people are, you know, pretty understanding, because obviously, this isn't any of our necessarily first jobs is, you know, like kind of podcasting and recording. So I think we get, you know, it's always nice to hear people understand that, you know, sometimes there are a bit of hiccups, but we're really, we really do try the best that we can. And so that's, uh it's always fun. People, I think, particularly when you're in a community that's dedicated to something like hockey, uh, you get people that are just excited that you're producing content in general. And so uh, it makes it, a lot more, a lot more easy and frankly, just a lot more fun to do stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh no, I agree. Um, I will say that if, if uh, you know, we were getting told every week that our show's terrible, that we should just go away, we probably would because, you know, we yeah. do this, we don't do this for, for money, obviously. I mean, more there's people. no money in this. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just, you know, we, we, it's funny as we talk all the time, like we had an email uh, earlier this summer from uh, somebody that listens to us that, that he watches, his, he walks his dog in japan he lives in japan and he puts our show on and yeah, he listens awesome. to us and and i'm like like it's boggling my mind like there's, there's this guy in japan listening to me talk about the blues here in st louis like it, it's crazy and and you know it's those kind of positive stories that, that kind of you know make us want to keep going
0: oh yeah absolutely absolutely it's definitely uh it's it, And you, you get to hear those stories sometimes and, uh, you know, it's always, it's always just cool, you know, that you get to have, you know, just this thing in common with, you know, people from various walks of life. Uh, I, you know, it's even cool too, because you interact with people from, you know, all the way from like high school to, you know, people in their 60s and 70s. And uh, I think it's always, it's always nice to get people from different walks of life and people are going to have different perspectives on the team. And, that's one of the cool things is I think as long as, you know, it kind of stays in positive lanes, which it usually does, then, you know, I think it's it's always good to hear different perspectives on the team because, you know, at the same time that, you know, you it's always good to have a history of the team, you know, and kind of learn some of that. It's, I think it's good to have some fresh eyes too and say, okay, yeah, like, the, yes, the Capitals have always had a bad, rough history in the playoffs, but... You know, I think it's, it's nice to see some like people that are a little younger say, OK, yeah, it doesn't really matter what happened in the 80s, even if, you know, me or you or someone like can kind of be still feel viscerally some of the playoff disappointments that I know both of our teams have had.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's something I definitely want to talk to you about was, you know, the Capitals, uh, they, they've had some teams in the past that have been pretty good. I mean, you think back to uh, was that 97 that they made the cup final? Yeah, 97, 98.
0: 98, where we got swept by the Red Wings.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a good team. It was just a matter of the Red Wings being the powerhouse that they were and starting their dynasty at that point. Um, but you know, you've had your teams that have, that have gotten there and teams that have, you know, given you hope, you know, the Peter Bondra years. I'm sure there's just been yeah. some, some really positives from those times, but, um, it started really for you guys, at least in my eyes, and I'm sure you would agree. That uh, you know the Ovechkin draft, the you know, and then picking up Backstrom and and the the kind of nucleus that's there now. And and you mentioned the playoff disappointment for Blues fans. It's been forever. You know, they had that twenty five year streak where they made the playoffs, but they didn't even make the finals once. You know, and and they went to the Stanley Cup final the first three years, didn't win a game. So they they've always been there, but they can't get to that next level. And that's where the Capitals were. For a long time. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, whether it was running into Pittsburgh or running into Tampa or whoever it was. Or the Rangers. Um, every this...
0: Capitals fan can remember those Rangers series.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Henrik Lundquist kind of standing on his head. Yep. I remember those yep. years. And, and it's oh, yeah. just, uh, for you guys, you know, it was kind of like, is this team ever going to do it? And you think about, you know, uh, for your, your, your stars, your, your Ovechkins, your Backstroms and, um even your carlsons you know those guys are are aging and it's like we might go through this this great nucleus of players and never see a stanley cup i'm sure that had to kill capitals fans until it finally happened
0: oh yeah oh yeah and it it's it's dumb too because you you always want to tell yourself like the playoffs are weird right and i think really the capitals winning it uh when they did shows kind of the weirdness of it it Cause I, I think a lot of capital Sands would say that definitely was not our most talented team that won the Stanley cup because it, it just wasn't, oh, you know, like that was a team that we had just won two president's trophies the year, be- the years before that we won. And those are probably just better teams, right. You know, in the sense of they had more talent. And so sometimes you need something weird in the playoffs. I know for us, you know, we had Devonte Smith Pelley who randomly decided to be amazing for like, you know, two months. And, uh, I remember during, against Tampa Bay, you know the juggernaut that they are. It was Devontae Smith-Pelly and um, oh my god, it might have been Jay Beagle or someone uh, just had this gorgeous like back and forth goal, you know. And you're just like, oh yeah, you know your casual Jay Beagle with Devontae Smith-Pelly goal, you know. And so it was it was that kind <laughs> of year, and uh, I think it just shows like you need weird stuff in the playoffs to happen. Obviously, you need a ton of talent too. That's kind of the underlying or underlying importance of it, you know. And I think. I look at the blues, you know, and you guys just had a ton of talent and it it just took a while to kind of piece it together. A coaching change and a goalie change obviously helped there. But, you know, sometimes you just need weird stuff to happen. And, uh, you know, I know that, um, yeah, for the Capitals, it just kind of we had a lot of depth players finally, you know, stand out. We had Holtby finally, you know. He's always been great in the playoffs, but he was a little, I think, more consistent, I would say, you know, and really a lot of the supporting cast be- besides Ovechkin and Backstrom were, you know, really great. And the other kind of underratedly great thing is there's just been so much talk about, you know, Ovechkin as being a playoff choker, which on one hand was just ridiculous, right? Because you just looked yes. at his stat and you were like, he was great. And he was great in the playoffs too. If anything, he averaged more, I think he had just as high, if not higher, of a points-per-game average in the playoffs, which is really freaking hard to do. Um, And so you just had this ridiculous narrative of, you know, is Ovechkin just not a winner? And, you know, it's ridiculous because that's just not the way hockey is played, right? It's not like basketball where you can just have one player take over a game, you know? It's not... It's tough to have, like, a Mario Lemieux-style kind of domination at this point. So, you know, you need weird stuff to happen, you know, along with your superstars being great. And... I think one of the great parts of the playoff run, at least for us, was basically all hockey fans kind of just saying, yeah, this narrative is dumb. Let's just appreciate Alex Ovechkin for who he is. And who he is is one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. And maybe the greatest. Um, I think you you can make a pretty compelling argument that he's the greatest and so already. So, you know, he's just, it's really cool, I think, winning the cup. And I'd imagine you feel the same way. It just kind of is a bit of a weight off you know the dumb narratives of the past, and it just allows you I think to get a new kind of appreciation for the players and the team, and you know just really kind of a deep enjoyment and I could say this, having been a year out, i just I still remember all of those memories just to this day, and you know it's also cool because sometimes weird life stuff happens when you win the cup, so for me, that's actually probably the last summer I will be in d c for the foreseeable future and so the fact that they were able to get it done while I was in DC and not doing something miserable like studying for the bar like I had to the next year just was really cool. And it really got, you got to see the players really parade with the city. And that was a lot of fun.
1: No, no, that's, that's, that's great. Um, no, and that was the thing for me I, back in, um, 2013, I actually, uh, got a really good job opportunity and moved to, to Dallas. And, um, so I was in Dallas, you know, I'd lived in St. Louis my whole life before that. And, um, when I moved to Dallas, I said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, wait. if the Blues ever do pull it off, I'm going to be in Dallas when it happens. And, and it was super depressing to think about, you know, I thought, man, I'm going to have to find a way to fly in and, you know, the wholesaling cup final take time off work. And luckily I, I came back 10 months later, but, um, you know, that kind of yeah. thought of, you know, and I'm sure you were thinking the same thing, you know, my, my job, my life, it might take me out of D.C., and, you know, I, I'm not going to see my team win the cup. I'm, I'm going to have to do it from far away. And it's going to hurt to not, you know, be celebrating with my family and friends. And uh, I guess luckily for both of us, that wasn't the yeah. case.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and that's to say nothing of the fact that, you know, I think it is still really cool when you win, you know, a championship and, you know, you're not necessarily in the city. And we talk about it like the community that hockey fosters, you know, is really special. But what I would say is, you know, if anyone's ever kind of on the edge of do I want to do this you know I always the test I always say is you know if I look back in five years is this something that like I it's worth treasuring you know is this something I'm gonna remember if I did it and you know you're always like setting yourself up oh well maybe we'll lose and maybe yada yada and it'll look stupid but you're not gonna remember that in five years but if you're in the city when they win oh boy are you gonna remember that (laughs) So it's just, you know, I think I always think it's uh, it's definitely cool. Uh, my parents were actually lucky enough to be in Vegas uh, at Game 5 when the Capitals won, and it is something that my mom is not a hockey fan and my dad's starting to get more into it, but it's something they still to this day talk about. And so, wow, yeah, if you ever get awesome. the chance, you know, um, obviously we, we all know reality and stuff like that, you know, sports is sports, but it's uh, it's definitely really cool. And, you know, I, I think as sports fans and particularly blues and caps fans we've been kind of trained to expect the negative and uh whenever you get the chance to you know experience something positive i think it's worth taking that chance it's you know it's worth it because even if you lose you know it it always you know you're going to remember the people and kind of experiences that you're with and oh boy if you win it's great so you know it's uh right. just yeah that's that's it kind of gave me an appreciation for that too
1: yeah, it's, it's funny. So in, uh, these, the summer series that we've been doing here, talking about, um, all the NHL teams the Blues have faced, uh, you know, we, we started each show with a segment called, uh, uh, Keep the Party Going. And it's, you know, emails from people and, and how they're celebrating. It's, uh, you know, maybe we look back at a part of the season and, uh, talk about, you know, oh, hey, this is, uh, uh, you know, this, the Biddington's first start, you know, let's, let's see what that was like, how we reacted, uh, that kind of thing. And, Um, one of the things I, we got an email, the very first email we read in this segment was from a Capitals fan and how he, uh, he had actually experienced, you know, his team win the cup for the first time and how much it, it, it kind of made him root for the blues, uh, the very next season, because he saw the blues going for it. And he said, Oh man, like, I remember what that was like. My team finally getting there, finally getting past the penguins, finally looking like there's a chance they could do it. And, uh, you know, that, that, and of course it's, you know, for you guys, it's the season that you're probably thinking, yeah, those other teams couldn't win. This one's not going to, but they end oh, up yeah. going all the way. Um, and, and you know, it's, 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 so he he mailed us and told us that. And, and then I, uh, there's another segment where I, uh, read one of uh, the articles from a blues fan that wrote it that night when the blues won, just kind of saying, Hey, we're going to have a recap later, but Holy cow, what a night this is. And, and that kind of thing. And, every comment on the article for the first like 10 comments were from capitals fans saying, congrats, we're rooting for you. So there's definitely a, a, a kind of funny, but, but, but serious uh brotherhood oh, yeah. here between capitals and blues fans, because back to back, you know, our, our, our teams went for the first time and won the cup. And it's been such a, fun story to go over uh, all summer and even last summer, you know, people, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of people who were saying in St. Louis, you know, capitals finally won. That's another team that we can cross off the list that came in the league after the blues and have won a cup. And well, now that list doesn't have to be made anymore because the blues finally did it.
0: You get to totally forget about that, which is, I'm sure you're totally happy to do. Um, Yeah. I, Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's just, it's really cool. Like I, um, I, I know when I was watching the cup this year, um, I actually had uh, I lived with three Boston sports fans so i I had to keep my rooting of the blues a little bit quiet um, but uh <laughs> shocking as I'm sure you could hear the uh, Boston sports fans might have been a little uh, little obnoxious there but um, no. you know it definitely I think I think it was really cool to have our two teams win just because I think like before that you had seen a lot of the same kind of teams. I mean, Pittsburgh had won it twice and then you had you know, that stretch where it seemed to either be the Kings or the Blackhawks always winning it, you know, and, but I mean, when those teams won it the first time, like that, that would have been the first time in a while, but those were big cities with a lot of success. So I think it was really cool to see the two cities, you know, that, you know, obviously the Cardinals have done really well, but, you know, you guys, I know had just lost the Rams. And so, And obviously, D.C. sports had – I actually don't know if you know this. D.C. had this weird streak before the Capitals won the Cup where no D.C. sports team had even been in the conference finals since 1998, which is the year the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. And so that just kind of featured a number of really tough losses across a lot of sports. So, you know, it was. I think it's really cool to see a couple of cities that, you know, really treasure these teams and really haven't had a ton of, you know – not exactly like a lot of Boston-like success, you know, of winning, like, multiple championships every year, and uh, so I think it was, I think, honestly, both a relief and just really exciting to see you guys really get to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Cardinals, you know, obviously, that the Cardinals have had a lot of success right behind the Yankees in terms of um, overall success in their franchise's history, but, um, you know, I don't even say one one of the hosts on this show, he's openly said that you know, he'll root for the Cardinals because they're the hometown team, but he doesn't care about baseball. So for fans sure. like that, you know, the Blues winning was everything. That's, that's what we've been waiting for. And I mean, I'm a pretty big Cardinals fan and, you know, obviously I want to see them do well, but I've said for years, I would trade every single World Series for one Stanley Cup. And, and, yeah. you know, it's funny. It's funny. The Blue, you know, the Cardinals were pretty bad there in the middle of the summer. And, um, you know, a lot of Blues fans used to say that, oh, I'd trade all the World Series we have for, a Stanley Cup. Never win a World Series again. That's fine. As long as we see one cup. And the Cardinals are terrible. Like, right after the Blues won it, they just went on a skid and, and were just terrible. And everybody's like, oh, my God, the Cardinals are so bad. I'm like, hey, we got our wish. Like, hey. no, we got our wish. The Cardinals are never going to win another game again. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are going to end up winning the division probably still, right? So it ended yep. up being fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, well, uh, baseball's yeah. what? I think they're at, what, 892 games a year now?
0: Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's it's too much. <laughs> I my my parents are actually season ticket. Or they they have been season ticket holders of the Nationals since they came to DC. But look, they can only go to so many freaking games a year, right? You know, it's just it's a yeah. lot. And I think that's one of the cool things of hockey is you know it's like yeah, it's like three two to three times a week, you know, and you can kind of just build stuff up, and it's a lot more fun. And frankly, it's just also easier from a writing perspective because you can kind of just be like, okay, I have a few days where I can kind of sit back and think of things a little. And so that's definitely the, the it's a little easier I feel like in hockey with that kind of rhythm.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I tried doing some baseball writing for a while and uh, I, let's just say I grew bored of it pretty quick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, funny. I um, I actually
0: did that too. I feel like a lot of hockey analytics people come from baseball. That's definitely, I've heard that path quite a few times before.
1: Yes. Yeah. Not surprising at all. Um, yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Blues and, and Capitals history. Obviously, the both teams winning the cup. I mean, that's amazing and, and something that uh, will always be memora- memorable for for all of NHL fans. The fact that um, you know it went back to back. We'll see. Maybe next year. Maybe we'll see um, another team. Maybe Vancouver. Maybe Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Not likely, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, well, San Jose could win it. That's although they're, they're newer, that's a good point.
0: you know, like our, our teams have been around a while, although. I will say, St. Or uh, the 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 Sharks have had their their fair share of of heartbreak. So you know, I think it's definitely. I, I I wouldn't. I probably would have less of an objection than you would to them winning it. But it definitely. You know, I, that's. I feel like another team. I'm kind of thinking of. You know, maybe they could break a drought.
1: Oh, there's a lot of Blues fans that hate me because I actually like Joe Thornton. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I actually do want to see them win. Plus, we're one of our our good friends that uh, kind of a friendly rivalry we have with uh another show called teal town usa um they're all diehard yeah oh yeah they are so we we actually uh kind of you know we we kind of root uh, for the sharks when the blues aren't playing them so uh yeah it's it's not crazy for us to say that but yeah we uh i will say the uh handing them the heartbreak of this last year you know it didn't really bother us too much
0: I would imagine not. I would imagine not. Uh, yeah. And outside that, that was a good freaking team y'all beat. You know, that was, uh, I, I think they were my, they were my cup pick out of the West. Uh, that was a good team. And uh, that was a good hard fought series from what I remember too.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of injuries involved for the, the Sharks, unfortunately, which I think is what their downfall was. Well, actually, I think their downfall was more their coach kept playing those injured players rather than, uh, giving them some rest in the middle of the series. But, um, that's a that's yeah, a whole that's other discussion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about some history here between the Blues and Capitals in terms of trades. Uh, July 2nd, 2015, that was a big day that a lot of people remember. Uh, the Blues had traded T.J. Oshie uh, to the Capitals for Troy Brower, Phoenix Copley, and a 2016 third-round pick. This was a memorable trade for one because T.J. Oshie was kind of the golden child for the Blues coming out of the lockout Um, once he got drafted, it was, you know, Oh, TJ Oshie's going to lead this team to a cup. Didn't really happen. I I always kind of felt like he was miscast as a, uh, first line right wing. Um, but then he goes to Washington has great success there. Uh, obviously playing right wing behind Mr. Ovechkin, which, uh, you know, it's not a bad one, two punch on right wing to have. And, uh, obviously, obviously TJ Oshie is, uh, you know, he's still a fan favorite here. People still love him, but, uh, uh, I'm guessing it's it's the same story there in Washington, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. Um, he's been... He, he's, he's a fun player to root for, I would say, because he has a unique kind of skill set, you know, in the sense of he is maybe one of the most skilled players with the puck. You'll see he's great hands, legendary in shootouts, obviously, you know, given uh, what happened to the Olympics. Um, and so that's really cool. Also, at the same time, though, the thing that you really get an appreciation for when he plays is he plays a lot bigger than his size, which is always really cool. You know, I think sometimes as a cap fan, you wish like he'd tone it down just a tiny bit, but that's kind of just the player he is, you know? And so it's always, it's kind of fun to root for because you're like, he's hitting people that are like sometimes like twice his size and he's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I know that that trade, I, I, I liked it for the Caps when it happened, but yeah, I think it's like, it worked out because, oh she's just been a great fit for them you know he we were able to like resign him for a while you know he's actually still i think has got six more years on that deal so i don't know if that's going to age super well but i i mean he was a huge part of the capitals runs and he's just been consistently a great player and also really active in the community too he uh always you know kind of doing various volunteer work around the city and uh you know, it's, it's I feel like it's easy to just kind of contain stuff on the ice. But in general, I think he's been a real pleasure. I know the people around the team really love working with him and uh, just a stand-up guy and really a stand-up player. So I, I was very happy with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the, it worked out kind of for the Blues right away because they went to the uh, conference finals that next year with Troy Brower. Yeah, and it was a good team. It was Throwing a good, that goal, good one they right? had. Yeah, he had a big goal against Chicago. That's one of the more memorable goals yeah, in Blues seven, history. Right?
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. Game yeah.
1: Seven. I remember because he uh, he missed that. He missed his first like two whacks at it because uh, it was right there in the crease. I mean, all he had to do was tap it yes. in. And uh they said after the game, they asked him, you know, hey, uh, you know, what were you thinking when that happened? He's like, if I don't score this, I'm going to retire. You know, I mean, he, <laughs> he knew like that was his moment that he needed to succeed, yes. and uh it was fun to watch and. And obviously, um, you know, it's worked out for the Capitals because they went and got the cup with uh, with Oshie on the wing there. And like you said, kind of a heart and soul guy for the Capitals as he was here for St. Louis. Um, but I want to ask you about especially specifically about him in this last playoff. Um, you know, you guys lost in seven games or your team lost in seven games to yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes, and went on to the Eastern final. A lot of people said that's a different series if T.J. Oshie doesn't get hurt. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I have a lot of thoughts that I'm going to try to channel in a couple of points. I would say that it definitely hurt. Um, And one of the reasons it hurt is because the Capitals in that series, just Carolina did a great job of shutting down the Capitals depth scoring. And uh, I mean, Ovechkin had a great series. Backstrom had a great series. Kuznetsov was okay. Um, And Carlson (laughs) was great. But like, there, there wasn't really that other score that the Capitals had, like they had on that playoff run. And Oshie was one of them, you know, it, it, it definitely, I think hurt both, you know, in a depth scoring standpoint, but also, I mean, you mentioned it, he's a heart and soul guy and uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely hurt. And uh, you know, he, it was also a, just a very scary injury, like, I mean, broken collarbone, thank God that's what it was. But, you know, I know we were all a little scared about it and it's definitely, um, you know, we. Was I going to say? It definitely hurt, and uh, it kind of was a mo- momentum shift in the series a little. We actually won the next game five nothing, or I think six nothing after he ca- he got down. But Carolina just had a lot of depth, and I think it kind of wore the Capitals down as the series went along. And so, if you could have a guy like Oshie, you know that definitely uh, that helps counteract a little bit. And maybe you know, I mean, the Capitals lost that series in. Double overtime in game seven. So there were a lot of things that could have swung it, but definitely having TJ Oshie out and having him replaced by Devontae Smith Pelly, who this is not as talented of a player. You know, you look at many of the things that could have swung that series, that definitely is one of them.
1: Uh, So, something else I want to talk to you about another big trade between these two teams on February 27th, 2017. Um, This one, it's funny we talk about who wins trades and who doesn't, you know, and It's so arbitrary. It's hard to pick, but you know, you look at this one. It's, uh, the Blues traded Kevin Shattenkirk and Phoenix Copley back to the Capitals for, uh, Zach Sanford, Brad Malone, and a few draft picks. Um, this was a trade deadline deal. Uh, Shattenkirk obviously spends, uh, you know, the rest of the season there, playoffs, and then goes over to the Rangers. And, and since then, obviously he's had his issues, uh, uh, landing a, a, a steady spot in the NHL. But, uh, again, that's for another show. Um, but I wanted to ask you about this one. So obviously, yeah. you know, you guys probably knew at the time when this trade went down that Chatton Kirk, you know, he made it pretty clear he was going to the New York Rangers at some point. So pretty clear that yep. he was probably not going to be coming back. And uh, obviously, this is one of the runs that uh, the, the, the Capitals tried to make for the Stanley Cup didn't work out. Uh, what did you think of this trade at the time?
0: I loved it when it was made. Um, I, I thought it was great. Um, he I thought he, he gave a good element to the Capitals' blue line. I think part of the problem, frankly, was um, I don't think the Caps ever figured out where they wanted him to play in the lineup. We would put him routinely on the third pair, and that didn't always make a ton of sense to me given his talent level. It Trotz got very set in the defensive rotations that year, and he kept wanting to put, you know, um, Altner with Carlson and uh, that just didn't seem to work super well. And he just couldn't seem to consistently find Shattenkirk a place could, you know, he obviously had to put him in the lineup, but he didn't seem to ever be comfortable using him. And um, I think that was one of the downfalls of it. Another under another kind of low key downfall of it was um, that was actually a Caps team that was playing Nate Schmidt in the third pair. And, turned out Nate Schmidt actually a really good defender, but when <laughs> Shattenkirk came, he, um, he, he kind of relegated Nate Schmidt to the healthy scratch lane. And so the actual upgrade of Shattenkirk over Nate Schmidt, I just don't think was actually all that huge. Um, you know, so that definitely hurt, um, you know, a little that it, he didn't give the capitals kind of that net benefit that you would have hoped for in a trade like that. But I think a lot of that just came down to usage, you know, and Trotz just never seemed a hundred percent comfortable with him. Um, but at the same time, I'm usually for, you know, these kind of dead swing for the fences, deadline trades. And I love the trade when it was made. And you know what, like in hindsight, I still do that trade because I think that that was a Capitals team that was going to win the president's trophy that they were a prime contender to win the Stanley cup right then. And yeah, like, I just, I think you do that trade again. It's just, it didn't work out. It didn't seem like Trotz really was comfortable with him at all in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean that trade brought you back Phoenix Copley too, who uh, turned it up did. To the back it did. Of He's goal. come
0: back a few times now. Human, I mean, we joke in the site. It's human typo, Phoenix Copley because yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, you spelled his name correctly, which I'm impressed. Um, but I've had to type it out, and I keep wanting to say Phoenix the city, yeah. but it's not. It's the the e goes before the o for some. Unknown fricking reasons. Right. So um but yeah, so uh human typo Phoenix Copley has uh gone we've gone back and forth a couple of times between our teams.
1: Man, that's funny. I uh yeah, human typo. I like that. I'm gonna start calling him that yeah. genius. Yeah. Um and you know uh, like he's, a, he's
0: still a backup goalie, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's been okay, you know.
1: Yeah, he's, he's he does for what he does, he's you know, what he's paid to do, he does a good job. So I'm sure uh, yeah. you know, he was happy to have back and uh you know, again, you talk about who won, who lost, and you know, it's all arbitrary, but you know, it's funny because, you know, Blues fans, I, I was talking to somebody about that trade recently. And he said, well, obviously the Blues won because they got Zach Sanford and and they won yeah. the cup with him. And I'm like, yeah, I guess if that's how you want to look at it. But, you <laughs> that's know, a pretty it's,
0: arbitrary way to judge trades, though. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, by by that by that standard, you know, the. The Blues definitely won the Brett Hall trade in 88 because they eventually woke (laughs) up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Capitals, uh, totally won the Yarmir Yager signing. Although actually that has more relation than you would think. Cause I think that led to the capitals tanking, which led and led to a bench in which that, well. but again, you could do this with every single trade, yep. but that's the beauty of winning a Stanley cup, right? Is you yep. could do this with every trade and be like, Hey, maybe that's the trade that was all,
1: all the anger that we've had for our teams over the years. You look back and you're like, you know what? It was all done with a purpose. It they eventually out. won the cup.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, speaking of anger, though, I feel like uh, our next topic is going to lead to some, at least I would think.
1: Uh, and I will yeah. see. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a Tom Wilson fan. And, uh, you know, uh, blues, uh, fair. I I understand blues <laughs> fans, I think, would completely agree. I mean, shit, you got, 30, we got the rest of the
0: National. Hobby I was going to say
1: 30 teams would agree. Uh, yeah. Tom Wilson, uh, two big hits on on blues players in the preseason, which that's yes. what that's what bothers me about it. That's and. The- Dumb part, right? What is he doing? Yeah, exactly. That's Stop what, that's Stop my point. Like
0: that, you know?
1: That's my Ugh. point. So you look at, at September of 2017. He that's when he knocked out Robert Thomas. Uh, suspended two games there in September of 2018. Crushes Oscar Sundquist. Gets a 20 game ban. Um, you know, obviously we could sit here and break down the hits all day, but. You know, we've done that plenty of times on our show. I'm sure you guys probably did it on your show. Sure. But, you know, yeah. it's just uh that was the thing that that I kind of sat on. My my co-hosts were upset about the hits and whatever. I'm like, yeah, you know, those were dirty, you know, head hits. You, you don't want to see that in the game anymore. But it's preseason, man. What are you doing? man? Like, just yeah. you're supposed to be out there. Yeah, I get it. You're competitive. Good for you. You know, go out there. Give it your all. But man, come on! Dirty hits in the preseason—you're no. yeah. already on the team. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you need to to phone it in, but I mean, when you see a guy cutting across the ice like Sunquist was, it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, regular season game. If you feel like you want to level him there, do it. But man, preseason, just you know yeah. what? Make Stop the it. pass, and and I'll, yeah. I'll I'll body you, but I'm not gonna knock your head off.
0: Every uh, like. Every other thing that Tom Wilson could have done, he should have done instead of that, right? That was, like, the one thing you cannot do. I would have been in favor of him, like, just sitting, going to the bench, like, fine, yep. like, whatever, you know? <laughs> it is the preseason. It doesn't matter. Stop it. Go to the bench. It's, it. It's, you know, I don't know. And, I mean, particularly in 2018, it's not like he's competing for a roster spot anymore. He was right. on the top line of a Capitals team that won the freaking Stanley Cup. You know, and it just gotten a huge, it had just, um, I think, at that point, had just inked a huge, um, you know, extension. So, yeah. what are you doing? You know, like, it just does you no freaking good. And, uh, I mean, he ended up having to pay for it in terms of salary. But, you know, uh, you would hope he learned. And I think he did a little bit. And maybe that's the the part I, you know, take a tiny bit of solace in, maybe. But, you know, it, man, really st- freaking stupid both times, but really the 2018 one was dumb.
1: Yeah, I mean, the 2017 one, I mean, I guess you're still maybe kind of like, I want to prove I can play in the a top nine role. But yeah, but at that yeah. point in 2018, you're already on the top line. You know, you proved yourself in the playoffs. Um, And then again, you know, Oscar Sundquist at the time, he was a fringe player. I mean, he ended up starting the yeah. season. Once he got healthy, he went down to the AHL. So it's not like you're taking out a Tarasenko or a Schwartz. You know, it's no. What are you doing, man? <laughs> no. Just
0: just completely pointless. And yep. I yeah, I was just I was baffled by that hit. I, you know, because I mean ha, ha, hits like that are weird, you know, and it's always tough for me as a layman to judge, but you're just like, like you, you there could not have been a good reason for you to be in that position. Right. There's right. no there's no benefit to that. There was no like real defensive play he was making. You know, it's just it's dumb. And you're right, it's the preseason and on top of that, you know Wilson knew that they were like, you know, he had in that in that last postseason been suspended for three games, you know, for a hit on uh, Zach Zach andson Reese, and so you know he knew he was on notice by the NHL, and yet just did it and did it in a really flagrant and stupid way, and uh, yeah, no, that was that was definitely dumb, and uh, I, you know, like I said, he actually really I don't think has been suspended since then, so progress I guess but you know I think I and a lot of other capital fans want to see this for a lot longer um and the the other the other one kind of really frustrating part is aside from the dumb hits Tom Wilson's a really freaking good player you know and it gets overshadowed by the dumb hits but I mean he has a lot more skill than you think he does he's fast he's strong he gets in front of the net he does a lot of smart things you know he's actually a much better possession player than you'd ever think someone like like him would be but uh, you know, it's just, yeah, like, this is really dumb. Don't do this. And, uh, you know, we we actually just acquired another player this offseason, Radko Gudis, who, you know, has kind of the same underlying problems. You know, he has a better player than you think. But, man, just get some common sense, you know?
1: Right. No, and, and it's funny because Tom Wilson is the exact kind of player that I love. I love oh, yeah. those kind of players. Like, the Kachuks um, and, you know, the Pat Maroons of the league for to a yeah. lesser extent – I mean I love those types of players who can, you know, battle, go in front of the net, lay out hits, forecheck, speed, everything. I love oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, the the new age power forward. But man, it's it's the stupid stuff that he does that keeps me from liking him and and rooting him on.
0: Yes, yeah, totally agree. And uh I really, you know, I Uh, the reporting afterwards was that he did kind of get the, he met with, I think, George Paros, and they kind of went and described everything, you know, and he talked about, you know, what was stupid and yada, yada, and he got a, what he claimed was a better education from the league about what a dumb hit was and wasn't and what they were looking for. But, man, like, the fact that it even had to come to that is frustrating because, I mean, yeah, he's going to play on the edge, but I think the thing that, you know, we all kind of realize is that, you could play on the edge, but not have these really dumb open ice hits. You know, like, I think it's it's one thing to say, like, okay, you know, maybe he hit someone, like, on the boards behind the net trying to win a puck battle. I get that, right, you know? And, yeah, like, elbows get high, and that's stupid, and you shouldn't do that. But, man, there's a big difference between that kind of physicality and the dumb open ice hit to say nothing about the fact that it was in the preseason, and he knew that everyone was – his eyes were on him. So, yeah, right. just really frustrating.
1: So I, I wanted to ask you, and you kind of uh, glanced at it a little bit, since that suspension, since he came back, you said he hasn't been suspended since. Have you noticed a difference in his game at all?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, he still is going to be physical. That's just part of the way he plays. You know, a lot of As his job is to kind of get open ice, you know, for... He plays a lot with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, and that's a good line. You know, they he's a good job of creating space. He's actually a better puck handler than you would think. I've noticed a little bit, and uh, you talked to... Isabel Sh- isabel isabel in the Washington capitals, uh, beat writer for the Washington post. And I think she's said before that she's been, she's noticed something um, with him, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be at the margins. Um, I think the fact that he hasn't been suspended yet does say something particularly given the, um, you know, kind of spotlight is going to be on him a little bit. And I'll also give Wilson credit to, for this. Um, he's usually very open about what he thinks. And, you know, it seemed like the tenor of his comments were that, you know, he really did seem to think that he needed to think about what he was doing a little bit. And, uh, you know, he, I give him credit. I think he's really tried, Uh, but let's see, you know, I want to see it for, I think a little bit longer before I declare him, you know, reformed would be kind of my thought.
1: Right. Uh, I wanted to ask one more question of you. Um, Todd Learden, the uh, the head coach now, since the uh, Capitals have won the cup, um, you know, kind of coaches a similar style, at least I believe, to uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, Todd Reardon is a former Blues defenseman. Yes, uh, short lived, but he was with the Blues. He was actually on the top pairing with Chris Pronger for a while. Um, how has he been received in Washington?
0: Um, okay, so it's actually funny because I just talked about this last podcast. Um, I think it's tough, and it's it's tough with NHL coaches because I mean. You guys, I think, had a pretty clear example of one that just obviously worked, right? Like, I mean, Craig Burraby has been great. But right. I, you know, I think that it it's tricky because I, I, I question at times how much coaching he was able to really do in a way, because that's just a really weird situation to come in. You know, the Capitals had just won the Stanley Cup. There was a lot of pressure not to change that much. Brian McClellan, you know, had basically take steps to keep the entire roster intact somehow, which was amazing that he was able to do that. Um, so I think when you come into a situation like that, it's really hard to say, okay, I want to implement my style and anything you're going to do is going to have to be slow and kind of gradual. So there's that. I think that's difficult already. And on top of that, I think there's an underlying difficulty for me as a layman to understand some of the, you know, he definitely had a couple of new kind of breakout tactics. That was something we all noticed, uh, I think it's a mixed bag on how successful he was. Another problem that we all kind of noticed was he never really we lost Michael Kempney to an injury. Uh I think in March he tore his hamstring and was out for the rest of the season. And he never really seemed to be able to get a defensive pairings that he liked. He tried playing Carlson on its offside. That didn't really work. And so, you know, you maybe you wonder, like, okay, maybe a coach is able to figure that out. Although to, to give him a little bit of sympathy there, I don't really know what I, what I would have done either. So I think that's tricky. And uh, so I, I think for Capitol Sands, we're looking to see next year, is he able to make a bit more of an imprint on the team? He, You know, this is the first year now where he's coming in and he's had pretty much an entire off season to really figure out what he wants to do. You know, he's going to be in charge of training camp again. He has a little bit more of a, you know, changed roster now. We've had some kind of players come in and out. And so I think I'm really looking to this year to see a little bit more of what, a, you know, what kind of coach he can be. Um, it's, it's also tricky because the Capitals are very much in win now mode. And I think it takes NHL coaches typically a while to kind of figure things out. And, you know, being an NHL coach, head coach is just a lot different than being an assistant. So, uh, you know, I think I'll be curious to see the kind of adjustments he makes and, uh, you know, really see if he can, you know, really make a bit more of an imprint on the team. I, I think in our end of year gradings, I gave him a C or C plus or something, and so you know C plus slash incomplete. I think was kind of what I said, and uh, I I think the incomplete will be gone next year, and we'll kind of see what kind of coach he can be.
1: Greg, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, learning more about the Capitals is always a good thing. Like I said, um, you know, the the kind of uh, the the relation we've got with the uh, two teams, winning the the being the last two Cup winners. Um, definitely something that's kind of developed a kinship, I think with blues and capitals fans. So people are going to love hearing from you and and your takes on, uh, the trades and everything that's happened. So again, a big thanks to you for coming on. I, I want to give you plenty of time here to tell my listeners and maybe any capitals fans that have tuned in, uh, where they can find you, how they can, uh, interact with you on social media and where they can find your work online.
0: Yeah, so um I can be found at com. I um I've actually uh I just took the bar exam, so I've been a little uh a little slow in terms of the new content, but uh I'm going to be unrolling some stuff out in the next couple of weeks, uh some season preview work. Um so you can find my writing at com. Um it's an SB Nation site, so uh you know, there's a I would recommend the whole community of blogs, uh, but obviously stop at J Um, And then my Twitter handle is GregYoung3. Um, GregYoung1 and 2 were taken. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I it actually kills me because uh, Greg.Young is a Twitter account that has been used exactly twice. And I think both the tweets are, like, from 2013. So oh. I really want to email Twitter and be kind of asked to, like, can I get my name on that? Um, but... I, I, don't really know how that works, but, uh, so Greg Young three for now. And, uh, yeah, so you can find, I promote all of my writing on there and, uh, also check out the Japers Rink radio podcast. Um, I do that with, uh, my co-host Adam Stringham and, um, uh, I, we usually record, uh, you know, once every week or two, um, uh, as the season starts ramping up though, we're going to be recording once a week. So definitely, uh, check us out on whatever I, you know, iTunes or podcasting platform of your choice. And, uh, yeah, rate, right, and subscribe and everything like that. As uh, I'm sure you'll suggest people do with this show as well.
1: Right. Okay. Awesome. Greg, thanks a lot. And um, again, congrats to your team on winning uh, uh, last year. I'm sure it's very exciting for you and um, congrats to everybody over at Japer's rink, who I think uh, every one of you guys, as uh, again, does a, does a great job reporting on the capitals. Well, congrats to you as well. So again, I want to thank Greg and I want to uh, add that, uh, you know, I, I I'm sincere when I say that, uh, I was very happy for Capitals fans. Um, I think because of where they're at, there's a lot of times that we hear national media talk about, you know, I remember there was a tweet that came out after the, the last time the Capitals lost to the Penguins. And it was somebody who said, is there, an, is there a more tortured fan base in sports than Capitals fans? And I remember Blues fans just jumping all over whoever said that. And I'll agree, yes, I think the Blues are definitely more tortured than Capitals fans. I guess were, we were more tortured because we're not anymore. I I still thought, you know, that doesn't mean the Capitals fans aren't tortured. You know, I still want to see them win. And I know that there was a lot of people who were saying, oh, I don't want the Capitals to win because that's just another team that's going to come in after the Blues and win a cup. And it, well, I don't want to hold that against their fans. You know, if they have a chance to win the cup, I want them to win the cup. So, and either way, in that in that series that was going to be one of those teams that came in after the blues to win the cup. So it doesn't matter who it was, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I was happy for them, and, and it makes me think of real quick. I'll tell a quick story. Uh, when I was in Dallas, when I lived in Dallas for a short period, I went and, uh, played pickup hockey with a couple guys every now and then. And there was one guy I really got along with, and, and this is going to sound weird, head to toe, Blackhawks gear. He had a Blackhawks Jersey, Blackhawks socks, Wore a black helmet with a, a Blackhawk sticker on it. Um, and yeah, he, he played with a cane stick. I mean, he was all Blackhawks. And I remember at first, uh, you know, going out there and I'm thinking, oh, look at this guy. And, uh, we talked for a little bit. So this was, uh, 2013. And, um, he, I asked him whose favorite player was and he said Jonathan Taves. And I thought, yeah, of course that's Jonathan Taves. And so then I asked him, favorite all time Blackhawk. And because he had been telling me like how excited he was, like tell me about it in twenty ten, how it was when they won, it was such a big deal. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, Mr. Bandwagoner. sure. And so then I asked him his favorite all time player, and he goes, Oh, no question, Eric Daze. And I was like, Eric Daze? And he goes, Yeah, and I'm like, holy cow, you are a real fan. <laughs> if you can like Eric Daze, even know who that is, you've been following this team through the bad. So Hearing him talk about it, it made me feel good. I was like, "Well, man, I know we're supposed to like hate the Blackhawks, but this get this guy here lived his whole life without seeing a Stanley Cup, and I'm glad he was able to see it." Now, I didn't want him to win the next two that they did, but you know, it was it's good for him. That's really cool, and that's what we all want. We want to see good fans uh, be rewarded, and I think we did this last uh, summer with the St. Louis Blues. Finally doing it. So but no, I it's just that's how I feel about all of the teams fans. So when when Greg tells me about how great it felt for Capitals fans, I it makes me happy and it's good to hear and it makes me think, oh man, we did it too. All right. So let's get uh to wrapping this up. Twitter handles for the show, uh Let's Go Blues Radio, the show can be found at LGB Radio, Kurt Price is at Kurt Price, Bill Day's at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, is at jponder94. So here is the big announcement, folks. Wednesday, September 25th, there is a live show with Curtin and Bill. Uh, they return. We start doing our live shows, weekly live shows, folks. So if you never listened to us, if you're new to the show, you maybe you found us over the summer. This is not typically what our shows sound like. This is our summer series. Uh, our shows are done live on YouTube. Um, it's, it's the three of us just talking blues. We've got a chat line in within the YouTube, uh, video where you can text in and talk to us during the show. We'll read the ones we like always funny stuff coming out there. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, if you can join us, I'd love to have you. If not, we're, it's still a podcasted show. So we'll record Wednesday night and then sometime Thursday afternoon, the uh, episode will appear on all of your podcast apps. So again, uh, that is starting this Wednesday. So from now on you can expect, except for nights the blues play on Wednesdays uh, that uh, we will have a live show typically on Wednesday nights uh, throughout the season. And uh, that starts at about 9:15 to 9:30 ish uh, is what I'll say. So if you're looking for the live join link, I would say around that time if you're like, hey, I want to check them out live, just go on Twitter, go on Facebook. You know, if you don't like us or, or aren't friends with us, do that now, and uh, we will tweet out the the show links whenever the show goes live. So uh, just check that out. That's the best place to find us. And uh, I will say, if um, if you're waiting for the next behind enemy lines, that is going to be pushed back because typically uh, it's been on Mondays and Thursdays. I'm pushing this one back so since we've got the live show on Wednesday. I don't want to overload your podcast app. So we're going to wait until Saturday, September 28th to release the next Behind Enemy Lines episode. I have the guys from The Canon on, and uh, they're an SB Nation blog, and they talk blue jackets and blues with me. So again, this Wednesday, September 25th, live show with Curt and Bill, and uh, that's podcasted and sent out on Thursday, and then after that on Saturday, we have the next Behind Enemy Lines series, and then after that, we only have one more folks uh so these, this series is wrapping up and we are getting to our live shows here talking st louis blues hockey well that will conclude this episode i want to thank you for listening and until next time everyone let's go blues play gloria for like a couple more days thanks for listening to the hockey show blues report of the week Have a great day.